Welcome to the OA Light a Candle meeting podcast. Visit our website at oalaig.org where you will find several speaker feeds with over 800 speaker files, forms for ordering CDs for these speakers, and a place to donate to keep this special service active. The opinions expressed on the Light a Candle podcast are those of individual OA members and do not represent OA as a whole. I would now like to introduce our speaker for tonight, Lydian T. Hi, thanks, Michelle. Uh, my name's Lydian, a uh, compulsive overeater, and um, I'm really glad to be here. Uh, you know, um, any any time that I'm in a meeting or talking with anybody in the program, you know, it just kind of calms me down. I, um, I've, I've had a little rough time with uh, this whole pandemic thing, and uh, I think really what it boils down to is, um, you know, before the pandemic, my life was just busy, busy, busy all the time. And uh, just, you know, going to work, going to meetings, blah, 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 and just trying to fill in as much time as possible with things to do. And now I don't have a lot to do. And I'm stuck with me and my character defects. <laughs> and so uh, that's been uh, like a real challenging thing, you know. Um, but uh, what, what I've been doing on a daily basis, I've been doing this for a while is uh, I'll get up in the morning. Uh, there's uh, like th three or four books that I read out of to kind of get my mind centered. And then uh, I meditate and then I pray. And that seems to get me out of whatever, whatever I'm thinking, you know, about the pandemic or whatever. And, uh, and then throughout the course of the day, you know, it seems to come back and then, uh, you know, uh, I go to a meeting and I feel better, you know, and that's kind of been the way it's been going for like about a year now. So, uh, but I'm really grateful to be here. Uh, I'll share with you uh, what it was like, what happened and what I'm like now. Um, my story, uh, well, I I'll just start out. Uh, I was born in Lexington, Kentucky, and uh, um, I was raised part of the time by my great grandmother and she had a redneck honky tonk bar there in Kentucky. And I loved everything about that place and uh that would end up uh kind of being part of my story too <laughs> um but uh my mom i think uh you know i have had you know like i always thought that um i always thought it, uh overeaters and on, on anonymous was about the food you know and um and to a certain extent it is it's the thing that kind of brought me in you know but there are other things other issues that food and other things in my life actually fixed. And that's the thing that kind of makes me, I feel a compulsive overeater is that I gravitate towards those to food to fix certain things. And, I, and I'll describe a couple of those things. Um, when I was two years old, um, my mother got divorced and she married another man. Uh, my real name's not Lydian. My real name is uh, Robert Plunkett. Um, I have never since I was two years old, never wanted to be me. Never, ever wanted to be me. And I did everything I could to change that. I changed my name. Um, so my mom got divorced when I was two. Uh, she married another man. His last name was Pennington. They started having kids, all, the, all their last names with Pennington. And I was the only one in the family with the last name Plunkett. And uh, I, felt, I felt odd. I felt uh, different. I, I felt sad that my dad left. I don't know why he left, you know, and I'm kind of stuck with all these feelings and I'm not really sure what to do about it, you know, and uh, 
later on I found what what helps me with that and it's a temporary thing and that's eating you know when I eat I feel a little bit better and then it wears off and then I still have the feelings and then I eat again and then there's some foods that I eat that are uh, really addictive for me and I can't stop eating them you know regardless if I think I should or not you know so uh, there's a couple other things that uh, kind of made me embarrassed uh, and and just felt ashamed about myself um, there was when I went to college, I started studying music and um, I, I was also I got really heavily into drinking and using alcohol. In fact, I was introduced to OA by uh, Alcoholics Anonymous and through Alcoholics Anonymous. And um, so what happened for me was I went out one night, got really drunk and I wake, woke up the next morning and I had a gig and it was a church gig and it was an Easter mass. and. I play timpani. And so uh, I ended up running late to this mass and I'm taking these timpanis and I'm hauling them down the aisle while they're having Easter mass, you know, with all these families. And I don't know if you guys have been to Easter mass, but it's like the most popular time of the year. <laughs> and I, you know, at the time I didn't think anything of it, but then later on it hit me what I did. It was just humiliating. And I carried that for the longest time. Um, another thing that I did was, um, you know, I, I started studying uh, uh, composition for uh, chamber, and I wanted to write this chamber orchestra piece for in a ballet. So I thought it might be a good idea to um, to uh, take ballet dance lessons to learn how to write for that medium. So, uh, and I thought it would be a good idea because I was drinking and using a lot at that time to stop drinking and using it. I did. And uh, I ended up uh, trying to kill myself and I ended up in the psychiatric ward at the University of Kentucky in a straight jacket and a ballet outfit. And I didn't know how I got there. And, uh, you know, that was just another thing in my life that just made me feel bad about myself and uncomfortable, you know. Um, later on, uh, I, um, so what, ha what happened for me, this, I'll, I'll cut to the chase. What happened for me was, um, I came out to LA to be a rock star. It didn't work out too well. Uh, what happened was I met this Peruvian Indian in Laurel Canyon. He was my cocaine dealer. And, uh, I would get up there and we would be talking about the aliens and all this other crap. And then, and, and what I would do is I would go up there on Friday and I wouldn't come home until Sunday. My wife was three months pregnant uh, when I went on one of these runs and uh, the baby died inside of her and she wanted me to come to the hospital. And I couldn't, while they took it out and I couldn't do it. And the reason why I couldn't do it is because I'm selfish and self-centered. I don't think about anybody but me. And uh, I don't wanna make this into a drunkalog, but that's kind of how I got introduced to the program. I surrendered, I came to Alcoholics Anonymous and I started on this pro, uh, path. And uh, the thing is, is that um, like, like I can eat abstinently, like I, I had an abstinent day today. Now I could probably finish the day out abstinently and I could, chances are I could probably finish out the, re, the west, rest of the weekend abstinently. But my problem is this, um, after about a week of doing this, I start getting this thing in my head and they call it a peculiar mental twist in the big book. And what it does, it starts telling me things like, uh, oh, okay, you gave up pizza. Well, maybe, maybe you can have like one slice this time. 
or maybe you can have just a little bit of ice cream. You know, that's not really going to help you go against your food plan that much, you know. And then I'm back into the food. I've had I've been on the same food plan for about 15 years or 16 years, and I've never been able to do that on my own. And the reason the way I was able to do it was I got in contact, contact with a higher power. Now, when I first got into the program, I didn't believe in God. And I wasn't really sure how this was going to work. I mean, uh, you know, like I grew up in Kentucky and, and you know, they, they force fed you religion down your throat. And I hated Christians. I didn't want anything to do with that. So, but the beautiful thing about alcohol or uh, about the program is that they told you, they told me that I can make up a God of my own understanding. It didn't have to be Jesus. It didn't have to be Buddha. It didn't have to be Muhammad. It didn't have to be any of those things. And that's what I did. I make it, made up a God of my own understanding. And what I did too was I made my sponsor basically my higher power. And I have two sponsors today and I listened to both of those guys and they, and both of them know everything about me and they could tell me anything to do and I would do it. You know, I mean, I'm that surrendered with, uh, with listening to what my sponsor has to say. And, um, so anyway, I, uh, you know, I started along in the program. Um, I, um, you know, um, one thing that I did though was like when when I was about seven years sober, I I became really uh, honest about something, and that was this. I, you know, I I felt like I had been pretending like I believed in God. I did what you guys told me to do. You know, I made up a God of my own understanding, but I really didn't believe it. You know. And so um, what I did was I went through the steps again. And I went through the steps with a guy named Clint Hodges. And um, when I went through the steps with Clint, I had a spiritual awakening. And um, basically, uh, it, it was pretty simple. Um, and what I'll do is I'll, I'll what happened was, um, you know, I was telling Clint that when I go to meetings, and I'll feel this after this meeting, that after the meetings, I feel like I'm safe, I'm comfortable, and I'm, I did the right thing, and that everything is going to be all right, you know. And he goes, "Oh, well, your, you know, your meetings are similar to Bill Bill W's cathedral experience," and I really didn't understand that until we read this little passage. And I'll read it to you because I, you know, I, I hear people quote things from the Big Book, and uh, sometimes I go, "I really don't remember that being in there." So anyway, this was the thing that kind of turned turned the the tide for me with my spiritual awakening. The real significance of my experience in the cathedral burst upon me. For a brief moment, I had needed and wanted God. There had been a humble willingness to have him with me, and he came. But soon the sense of his presence had been blotted out by worldly clamors, mostly those within myself. And so it had been ever since, how blind I had been. And what happened for me was on the way home, I had this, this experience. I, I felt this calmness come over me. And I had that experience before in my life, but I just didn't know what the hell it was. And I figured, I, th I thought something happened to me. So, you know, and I just didn't want that feeling to leave me. So when I got home, I got on the phone, I called Clint and I said, look, Clint, I think something happened to me. And he said, Be before I could say another word, he said, yeah, when it happened to me, I was at a convention and I would keep going back to my hotel room and I'd keep saying, are you with me? Will you stay with me? And I knew that I was onto something. I've had this peace in my life all my life, and I've never known what to uh, what it was, you know. And that's what my higher power is today: is peace. And so, 
you know, I started and that didn't, you know, I thought uh, getting a higher power would be something like winning the lottery. But, you know, I, I still had bad things happen to me. I remember, um, well, what, what happened for me was I started, um, I started eating and when I was sober, I started eating and I did exactly what they told me to do. They told me, do anything that you want. Just do not pick up a drink. If you want to smoke cigarettes, you smoke cigarettes. If you want to, uh, if you want to eat a lot, you go out and eat a lot. You just do anything, but just don't pick up a drink. And and guys, you know, I know this is no way meeting, but I got to tell you, this is the god awful truth. I, you know, I have got to stay sober to have this program because look, if I'm at a crack house at three o'clock in the morning, I'm not going to call my food sponsor and check in my food. There is no way I'm going to do that. So I have to be sober to have this thing. So anyway, what happened for me was uh, I started eating and, um, and uh, I got up to 210 pounds. I started uh, like experimenting with things. I started doing like the cabbage soup diet. I would stay on that for a couple of weeks. I would lose weight and, and then I'd be back uh, eating badly and then, uh, you know, um, gaining weight again. I went to Lindora, I did the, the, the vitamin B shots. God, and I hate needles, but I, I did that. I, I soldiered on and got the needles and got the shots. I lost a little weight and then gained it back. And then I went to Overeaters, I went to Hal OA. And I went from 210 to 145. And I was absolutely miserable. I had no tools, I didn't, uh, you know, I, I kind of just made contact with a higher power, but I just did not, that just didn't settle well with me. And uh, what happened for me was there was an old timer in my AA group and he looked at me and he goes, you look horrible. What is going on? And I told him, he goes, look, I tell you what you do. You go get a cheeseburger and a chocolate shake and you eat that and you call me and I guarantee you, you'll feel a hundred percent better. And that's what I did. I had no mental defense against that. You know, I, you know, I, and, and that's been my, the story of my life. You know, I will just pick up just like that, you know, without any thought, you know, I have no mental defense against the first bite. And so what happened for me was I called this guy who was in my home group. His name's Michael B. And I knew that he was an OA and I asked Michael to be my sponsor. And uh, he, he said, yes. And uh, he kept it really simple for me. What he did was he said, uh, he goes, I know that you go to a bunch of meetings all right, already, but I want you to go to at least one OA meeting. And he goes, I want you to get a sponsor there or uh, get a, a commitment there. And if you guys don't know what a commitment is, you know, there's been a couple things that's been a great blessing for me in this program. One thing is, uh, you know, they told me to show up to meetings early. And at the time, I didn't want to, you know, I came out here to be a rock star. I didn't want to be in, uh, like, in the program, but I did it anyway. Uh, they told me to get a sponsor, and a sponsor is somebody that uh, takes you through the steps. And I thought the sponsor would be somebody like my stepdad. And there was the longest time when I hated my stepdad. And since going through the steps, I've been able to make amends to my stepfather. And now I love him. Today, I call him dad. But, but at the time I thought getting a sponsor would be getting like my stepdad and I didn't want to do that, but I did it anyway. And you know, they told me to get a commitment at all my meetings and a commitment, if you don't know, is like a little job that you do. And 
commitments have been really, really important with my employment. Um, I do sound editing at Universal Studios and uh, commitments didn't teach me how to do sound, but what they taught me how to do is to show up when I say I'm gonna show up and do what I say I'm gonna do. And uh, that's been so important because I have a boss that has deadlines and I'm able to do those things because I've been, you know, and at first when I got commitments, I would be really flaky. I would get them and then sometimes I'd do them, sometimes I wouldn't. And the group that I belong to, if you don't do that, they just, they get rid of you and they get somebody else, you know, but I kept trying. And now today I can actually take a commitment and do what I say I'm gonna do. And I guess one of the great blessings that I've been talking about is this. My life didn't start changing for the better until I started listening to somebody else's ideas about my life and I started doing those things. I'd been calling the shots of my life, all my life, and getting the same crappy results. But it wasn't until I listened to somebody else's ideas about my life and doing those things that my life started changing for the better. So anyway, I got Michael as a sponsor. Uh, he told me to call him every day and report my food. And I didn't have a food plan at the time. I would just tell him, okay, well, today I had a bunch of pretzels. I had a whole bag of Doritos. Um, I had some chicken. Uh, it was probably fried, you know, and on and on and on. And then eventually, and I would do things like this too. Um, I would skip breakfast. I would have a very, very, very light lunch. And then I would just pig out at dinner because you know, I didn't eat breakfast and I had a really light lunch. And I, I, I did that all the time. And Michael made a very just gentle uh, 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 suggestion. He goes, why don't you just have like an apple for breakfast? I go, I don't eat breakfast. He goes, just have an apple. And today breakfast is one of, uh, one of my meals. You know, My abstinence is I, I have three meals a day with a, a snack in between breakfast and lunch and a snack in between lunch and dinner. And I had never eaten like that. I have always, every day was open season, you know, from the time that I got up till the time I went to bed, I could eat all the time. I have never been able to like say, okay, I'm just going to eat breakfast and then I'm going to stop and then I'm going to eat lunch and then I'm going to stop and then I'm going to have a dinner and then I'm going to stop. So that's been an important part of my, uh, my uh, abstinence. And uh, I'll read you uh, my, my, what my definition of abstinence is, is what Overeater Anonymous is. In OA, the statement of abstinence and recovery is abstinence and action of refraining from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors while working towards or maintaining a healthy body weight, spiritual, emotional, and physical recovery is the result of living the Overeaters Anonymous 12-step program. So uh, my food plan uh, actually has changed a whole lot. Um, it's like uh, today, basically my food plan is fresh fruits, vegetables, and salmon. And I, I didn't start out eating that way. There would be no way that I could do that. Uh, but what I did, what I did, the way I started out was I started out with abstinence from sugar, and white flour. And it was like anything that fell into that category, that was like what I consider red light foods. I did not eat those no matter what. And um, what happened for me was I started, the way I got off the sugar and the white flour was I substituted things. So instead of having uh, sugar, I had artificial sweetness. I had uh, honey on my plan. I had, uh, you know, uh, aguave, you know, uh, things like that that were natural. 
and of course fruits. And then for the white for the white flour, I substituted whole wheat. And then what happened for me was, you know, I started noticing that like with the uh, with the uh, artificial sweeteners. I didn't like what I was reading about them. So I eventually got rid of the artificial sweeteners. And then the, the way that I got on my food plan now is, um, you know, I, I started, as I get older, I started seeing people get sick and they would have various symptoms, you know, like a heart attack or they would have cancer or blah, 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 or whatever. And they would go to the doctor and the doctor would always prescribe the same thing. They would say, change your diet, eat fresh fruits, eat vegetables, and eat uh, a primary source of fish as your protein. And I said to myself, why in the hell would I wait until I'm sick to eat like that? You know, so, so I changed my food plan. And, and one of the things that was uh, part of that was um, I, I started having heart problems. And what my heart would do is it would stop beating all the time throughout the day and at night. And then it would go and just catch up. And it would do that all the time. And so I went to a cardiologist. He put a, uh, he gave me a thing to wear, a monitor to wear when I went home, put me on the treadmill. And when I came back, he goes, oh yeah, I know what the problem is. You have an electrical problem with your heart. And I go, great, what do I do to, to fix that? He goes, well, you take these pills. And I go, great, how long do I take the pills before I get off of them? And he goes, oh no, once you start taking these, you're on them for the rest of your life. And I don't take any medication uh, and I have no problem with the medical profession, but I, guys, I just didn't want to start going down that road where I was taking medication. I just didn't want to do it. So what I did was I, uh, I started exercising and I changed my diet to what I currently have now. And I don't have that problem. But guys, I guarantee you, if that did not work, I would be taking medication today for my heart without a doubt, you know? But I'm so grateful that I didn't have to do that. I'm so grateful that I, I, I was able to you know, find a way of lowering my weight. I was like at 185 at the time, and I was comfortable with that. But what I did was I went from 185 to 155, where I'm at currently now, and I feel good. I feel comfortable, I feel healthy, I feel, I feel the best I've ever felt. You know? And uh, you know, with my food plan, I've had a lot of changes that went on. Like um, when I was doing the artificial sweeteners, I had low fat cherry pies as part of my food plan. I've had protein bars on my food plan. I used to have Diet Cokes. Uh, I used to drink 10 Diet Cokes a day and they were on my food plan. It was all good, you know? And then I realized, and, and my, Michael, God bless Michael, he has never told me, Lydian, you know what? I think you have a problem with that. You need to stop it. He's always allowed me to find my way with my food. And I knew, I knew that there may be, may be an issue with the Diet Cokes. I wasn't ready to give them up yet. So what I did was I switched to Diet Cherry Pepsi because there was only one place in Burbank that sold them and, and it was a 7-Eleven. And I figured that if there was only one place that sold them, I could kind of control this, you know, and I could keep it, you know, but this, I was, I started casing out that place like a liquor store, you know, and I, and I realized that I had a problem with it. So I, I just stopped, I stopped drinking them. I haven't had a, I haven't had a diet uh, beverage in a long, long time. And then protein bars. I used to have protein bars as a snack and I'd have a couple of those. And uh, so I would have like four protein bars a day. And I, then I looked at the calorie count on those suckers 
And I go, oh my God, this is almost like two meals, you know? And uh, so I started realizing that, hey, you know, maybe, maybe this isn't such a good idea after all either. So I stopped eating protein bars. And, uh, and you know, the, guys, I think the thing that, the reason why I'm able to, to get rid of those things like that so easily is that I have a conscious contact with a higher power. And I kind of look at it like this, like today, you know, I've kind of reconciled my, uh, my differences with, uh, with uh, religion and all that stuff. And, and I'm Catholic today. I, you know, I, I play cello in the choir that I go to and blah, blah, blah. And, uh, but, you know, uh, you know, the Catholic faith is really uh, closely related to the Jewish faith. So we, we know a little bit about the Jewish faith. And one thing that they used to do in the Jewish faith is they would have, a family would have a prized uh, animal and it would be the unblemished and it would be perfect. And what they would do is they would bring that animal to the altar to have it sacrificed to, to God. And I kind of look at giving up food like that. You know, it's like, God, I love this so, so much, but you know what? I'm going to give this to you. This is, uh, this is my sacrifice to you. I'm giving you. You have 10 minutes left. Thank you. I appreciate that. So um, there's been a couple things that have really helped me um, with this program. Um, one thing is that, um, you know, um, like I do a daily 10th uh, step and, you know, um, in the 12 and 12, it talks about the spiritual axiom that whenever uh, there's a disturbance in my life, chances are there's a problem with me, you know, and uh, I, I never thought that, you know, I always thought that if there was a problem, damn it, I need to kind of figure this out or I need to do something about it. You know, I never thought that it was like an internal thing that I could either accept that situation the way it is, or I could try to change it if I could possibly can. And if I can't change it, just to accept it and, and feel comfortable about that. You know, the, the thing is, is that whenever I feel um, at, uh, uneasy or like anger or any of those things in my life and those things come up all the time I still have anger I still have resentment and all those things I'm really really aware of it and through the program I have tools that allow me to uh, to deal with that and I'll give you an example today um, so I had uh, I'm taking Italian classes after my Italian class um, uh, my wife and I have plans to go somewhere. So I text the guy and I say, okay, we'll be there within an hour. Okay. So uh, 15 minutes goes by and my wife goes, why did you tell him we'll be there within 15, within an hour? And I looked at my watch and I go, I texted him 10 minutes ago. We will be there within an hour. And, and I just felt that that thing come over me, you know, like, you know, it's like, okay, do I, do I say the next thing and we get into it and blah, blah, blah. And what I did was I went into my room. I said the, uh, uh, the serenity prayer twice. And I said uh, the St. Francis prayer and I just calmed down. And then on the way there, you know, uh, my wife is in the program too. And just out of the blue, she apologized. And, and it was like no big deal, but I can make those things a big deal in my life. And those are the kind of things that once they build up after, over time, they'll, they'll send me out to eating again. And I don't want to do that. I don't want to eat again. I have a little prayer that I say every day, and, that, and it's this. Um, God, I'm, I'm powerless over food, and I have a desire to stop eating compulsively. And I pray that you help me with those things. 
and uh, thy will not mine be done. And on that note, you know, I'm going to stop. I, I don't have much more to say. You know, 40, 40 minutes or whatever it is is a long time. Actually, I had to have some notes to keep me going. So anyway, thanks a lot. I really appreciate you guys uh, listening. Thank you. Thanks, Lydia. Thanks so yeah. much for your share. Uh, and now we have time for questions. We have some time. So if you have a question you'd like to ask Lydia, please raise your hand. And we already have a hand. Steve in Atlanta. It's your turn. Hey there. Thanks, Lydia, for your inspiring share. Thank you so much. So early in the program, how did you determine whether you were going to any length? Did you, how did you realize or what did you do to make that, make sure that you were going to any length? Uh, well, I mean, I don't know if this is gonna answer your question or not, but for me, it was like any length. Like, okay, Michael, Michael and I are in AA, or, or in, I shouldn't say that. God, I'm sorry. Anyway, uh, Michael is my sponsor. He started having me do these things that weren't in the big book. And I knew that they weren't. He had me do this like A-E-I-O-U thing. Uh -huh. And um, I, I really butted heads with him. I go, Michael, that's not in the book. I don't know where the hell you got that, but I'm not going to do that. You know, I, I don't know what you're talking about. I do a 10th step every night, you know, I don't know. And it's, and it's the way it is in the big book. It's not an A-E-I-O-U thing, you know? But what I did was uh, I surrendered to that. I said, okay, you know, if that's what you want me to do, I'll do it every day. I'll do it every day. And that's what I do. And, uh, and I think that that's sometimes like uh, going to any length is just like uh, just listening to my sponsor, you know? I mean, I, he really has my best interest in, in at heart, you know? Um, and, um, I, uh, like I said, I'd, I'd do anything that he'd tell me to do, really, I would, you know, and, and I think that that for me is going to any length. <laughs> and uh, it's, it's about surrendering too, and, and just being humble and um, taking somebody else's direction, you know, and not feeling like I know it all and that I have to do it all by myself, you know, I really think that that's kind of the, the key to it, you know, at least for me. I don't know if that answers your question or not. Thank you. Next question from Trey, Atlanta. Hey, I'm Trey, I'm compulsive over here. Thanks for your share, Lillian. Um, and I love your name, it's so beautiful. Yeah, I was wondering, can you um, say the prayer that you say again, that started with God I'm powerless over food? Yeah, it was um, uh, God, I have a desire to stop eating compulsively, and I'm powerless over food. And I pray that you help me with those two things. Thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome. We still have a bit of time. Are there any more questions for Lydian? Hi, Bridget from Coastal Eater. What was your bottom? What made you just go want to go into OA? What happened just that you just said to yourself, I need help? Yeah, um, that, that's a great question. I, uh, you know, like, um, I had been struggling with it, like I told you, for a long time, you know, like I, you know, when I was doing the cabbage soup diet, and when I went to How OA, and then um, lost all that weight, and then gained it back. And then, you know, I just, I, I, I just knew I had a problem with this thing. And really, it wasn't really anything ex as extreme as what, it, what brought me to the program. 
But it, it certainly was something that I struggled with on a daily, daily basis. Um, and I, did, I, I just didn't know what to do about it. You know, I, I knew this much. I started praying about it and nothing would happen. I would wake up and I'd still eat really badly. And I knew that I was eating badly. And um, um, I knew that this, I knew that God works through people. So once I asked Michael to help me, God started opening up a channel and, and things just started taking off for me. You know, like I started going to uh, OA meetings and learning more about the disease and, and you know, what, what, what the problem was for me. And, you know, up to that point, uh, to be honest with you, there was a lot of things going on in my life. I had a business that failed. Um, I had lost um, a house. I had, uh, you know, I, I, there, I was like late on all my bills and I, I, I had a car repossessed. I mean, I, I had like, I, I, I didn't want to answer the phone because I knew it was a bill collector and I just didn't, you know, I was living way above my means, which is a whole nother thing that, you know, I, I spend more money than I make. And so I'm always looking for things to fix me, you know, and when, you know, when you don't have anything to, when the only thing to fix you is like buying things, but it's getting you more in debt and you're eating things and you're gaining more weight, you know, and you still have this problem and you just don't know how to deal with it. You know, something's got to give. And that, that, I guess that was my bottom was, you know, just all those things uh, accumulating and, and me just eating to try to fix it and, and being aware that I had a problem doing that, you know. Thanks, Lydia. And we have time for one more quick question from Sean. Hi, uh, I'm on. My, I'm so sorry. I'm on my husband's iPad. Your story is so incredibly inspiring. Thank you so so much. I think you already answered my question. I have multiple addictions. My name is Joy, by the way, um, which would be compulsive overeating and compulsive spending. So, my question is: is how I find myself going from one addiction and then it spills over into the other when one calms down. How how did you kind of um, master getting it more under control how did you i hope that makes sense yeah i you know i i i, I what i do is i pray about that i pray about it every every morning that uh that i invite god into my uh personal finances uh you know i i invite god into talking to my wife about what i spend you know um, and those things are really important. I talk to my sponsor about it, you know, whenever, uh, you know, and, and I got to tell you, you know, I'm not perfect at it. You know, I, um, you know, I've been talking to my wife about getting a certain car forever, forever. And then COVID hit and I freaked out. I go, I'm going to die and I'm not going to have that car. <laughs> so <laughs> I got the car and, you know, Hey, my wife drives it more than I do, so <laughs> we're all good. But anyway, it's not, you know, I, I just, I, I try to invite God into all those things, and, and I invite my sponsor. You know, the worst thing for me to do is carry it around by myself and, and, and have a secret about it, you know. And, uh, you know, like I said, I'm not perfect with that. Uh, the only thing that I'm perfect with is my red light foods, you know. I just, I, there's some things I will not give on, you know. 
And um, yeah, I hope that helps. You know, you it does. Me. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank okay. you. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Thanks again for your share and your questions.